Hello, it's the Premier League Review Show. We're back. Hello, good afternoon and welcome to the Premier League Review Show brought to you by the Chronicles of Aguna, which is, of course, sponsored by Loserpool.com. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu. And on this show, which we'll be bringing you weekly from now on, we'll be looking back at the results from the Premier League. We'll also be talking through the big talking points, the major decisions, the major discussions that are going on uh, around the Premier League uh, at this moment in time. So uh, without further ado, we're going to run through the weekend's games. We're going to start off with the Friday night football at St Mary's Southampton 1, Bournemouth 3. Now, I've heard lots of Southampton supporters uh, in the build-up to this saying about how they didn't feel that Bournemouth was ever a derby. You know, that in their eyes, the derby is with Portsmouth. That's the South Coast derby, which, of course, takes place in the Carabao Cup this week. Um, but they always say that, you know, that the, the, the whole, you know, Pompey Southampton thing is the only derby down there. It's not the Bournemouth one. And Bournemouth, well, they showed them, didn't they, when they went to St Mary's and beat them uh, and beat them well. Uh, Southampton, of course, uh, really struggled that night. And I thought Bournemouth looked really, really good. And they had a goal uh, ruled out by VAR as well, which was really, really close. But ultimately, it was offside. And we're going to come on to talk about VAR in a little bit more detail, uh, a little bit further down the show. So I'm not going to go into that uh, in too much detail. Now, of course, Nathan Ake opened the scoring after 10 minutes. Harry Wilson eventually made it to after that uh, goal. I think it was from Josh King was ruled out. Uh, James Ward-Prowse brought the Saints back into the game uh, with a penalty on 57 minutes. But Callum Wilson's goal after a horrendous mix-up at the back uh, from a Southampton perspective, let him in. That was embarrassing. Uh, game done and dusted. Bournemouth running away victors at St Mary's, I think, for the first time as well, uh, which is an incredible stat. Uh, attendance of 30,000. Chris Kavanagh was the referee that night. That was, of course, the Friday night football. Now, let's move uh, on to Saturday's games. And Saturday. Uh, football kicked off with Leicester 2, Spurs 1 at the King Power Stadium. Another game uh, with VAR controversy in it. Well, I, I say controversy. The one again in in Southampton wasn't really controversial, was it? Nobody really disagreed. Nobody really had a problem uh, with those decisions. But obviously the Spurs lot had a problem with the decisions given at uh, the King Power Stadium. Both teams had a goal ruled out uh, from VAR. But, you know, Spurs uh, have come away from this one moaning, as they usually do. They've always got some sort of issue, haven't they? Uh, and this time they're blaming the VAR for uh, them suffering a defeat. Harry Kane um, opened the scoring on 29 minutes, a goal where um, he looked to be falling to the ground and he managed to hook it past the goalkeeper. And, and I mean, the luck on that guy, the absolute luck on him, even when he's falling, um, you know, he, he still manages to find the back of the net. Uh, so Tottenham took the lead. Ricardo Pereira levelled it on 69 minutes. Um, and of course, James Madison ultimately decided the game later on, didn't he, with that fantastic strike uh, from outside the box. It was brilliant. 
It really, really was into the bottom corner. Uh, Gazaniga in the Spurs goal had absolutely no chance. But Spurs, as I've already said, were moaning about an offside decision. Now, Song Heung-min was judged to have been caught offside. And, and when you see the pictures, it's definitely marginal. Um, the, the angles that have been posted around on, on all the major sort of TV channels and, and all the you know social media posts are not very telling because if you look at them, they're not really in line. They, they're sort of the camera's slightly ahead of the play. And, you know, they've used the line system, the VAR, to draw those lines up. And, and lots of Spurs fans are arguing that he's not offside. First of all, you cannot possibly tell from those pictures. So you just have to trust the lines. And, you know, lots of people will moan about VAR and they'll say, oh, it's spoiling the game. How can you pull up a decision that is so tight? How can you, you raise the flag? How can you disallow that goal? Well, the point is when it comes to offside, you're either off or you're not. There's no in-between about it. It's a science. You're either off or you're on. And in this occasion, the technology has deemed Hyungmin Son to be offside. You just got to swallow it. Get on with it. Maurizio Pochettino didn't complain about it. But for some reason, uh, you know, the, the Tottenham fans are, are really incensed by it. And a, a shout out to Dan DeLuco, who's actually joined us uh, on this podcast before when we were looking ahead uh, to the Spurs game. I think when we were reviewing it too, um, you know, Dan DeLuca joined us, but Dan DeLuca's absolutely incensed by this and, and he's really pissed off about it. And I don't understand why. I genuinely don't understand why. You're either off or you're on. It's as simple as that for me. Um, Spurs just don't look right to me at the minute. And, you know, as an Arsenal fan, I, I'm not going to. I'm not going to complain. It's, it's what I want to see. Um, but I watched them against Olympiacos in their Champions League game last week as well. And they looked absolutely horrendous. And he made a lot of changes after that one. Uh, and he still couldn't get the best out of this team. It looks like the cracks are starting to appear at White Hart Lane. Uh, is that what their stadium's called now? Yeah, I think it's still White Hart Lane. They haven't managed to sell it yet to a sponsor. Uh, following on from that, let's go um, over to some of the other games. We've got uh, Burnley to Norwich nil. Norwich, of course, beat Manchester City, didn't they, uh, last week? But they couldn't uh, help but suffer a defeat at the hands of Burnley at Turf Moor. Chris Wood with the two goals, um, which is a little bit annoying because when you look at the, the two teams, I was playing fantasy football, of course, as I always do. And I was told by a friend of mine, you know what, you should stick a Burnley striker in there. They're good value. I stuck Ashley Barnes in, didn't I? And Chris Wood ended up scoring two goals. So how's your luck there? Um, really, really disappointed by that. But it just goes to show, doesn't it, that in this Premier League, anybody can beat anybody. Daniel Farker was saying in his uh, pre-match press conference that this game was going to be a completely different challenge to that of Manchester City. And, and you know, it proved to be the case. But I suppose if you had told Norwich before that they were going to get three points out of Manchester City and Burnley, they'd have bitten your arm off for that. So... Uh, they won't have too many complaints uh, around that. Everton nil, Sheffield United two. Sheffield United benefiting from a Yeri Mina own goal uh, just five minutes before the break. And then Liz Mousset, um wrapped things up for Sheffield United in that second half, just around about 10 minutes uh, before the end of the game. Now, Everton, you know, they're a side who lots of people always talk about pushing into that top six, always talking about them being there or thereabouts. And they've often flattered to deceive. And the thing is with Everton is that 
they have spent money over the last few years. You could argue it's not necessarily been spent wisely, but the fact is they are laying out money uh, every summer pretty much. And for them to not really be improving that much is is a worry. And Sam Allardyce was on TalkSport earlier and he was talking about the fact that the Everton fans expected so much off of him that he can see Marco Silva coming under extreme pressure now in the coming weeks if results don't take a dramatic turn for the better. Now, I'm a Marco Silva fan. He's a manager that I quite rate. I think he's a manager with good ideas. Um, I thought he did really, really well when he came into Hull when he first arrived in the Premier League. He ended up at Watford. There was that whole controversy between Watford and Everton. He's ended up at Everton eventually. But perhaps things aren't going quite as planned. And it, it'll be interesting to see how patient Everton uh, remain with Marco Silva because, you know, you, you get the feeling that they won't stick with him forever. You know, they're a club who, you know, aren't afraid to spend in the transfer market, which would suggest that they're not afraid to make changes in the dugout too. So I wouldn't be surprised if Marco Silva comes under immense pressure in the next few weeks and Everton, you know, will hope that they can turn things around. But their away form in particular has been a, a big concern. And then to lose Tuna at home to Sheffield United, that won't have done Marco Silva any favours whatsoever. Manchester City 8, Watford 0. Hat-trick for Bernardo Silva. Goals from David Silva, Aguero, Riyad Mahrez, Otamendi and Kevin De Bruyne too. Um, incredible. And to think that Manchester City, I think, was it within 25 minutes or 20 minutes or 5-0 up uh, against Watford. A Watford side, by the way, who gave Arsenal a torrid time uh, the week before at Vicarage Road. So for me... Uh, you know, I expected Manchester City to win. Of course I did. But to see them absolutely blow Watford away like that came as a bit of a surprise to, to me. I thought Watford would be a little bit more stubborn. But it just goes to show that if you impose yourself early doors uh, on a team and you, you get at them from the very off, you know, you can put the game beyond their reach. And Arsenal did get at Watford early on. Um, at Vicarage Road in the sense that we were creating chances. Maybe we were conceding too many as well, which was probably the difference. But, you know, you need to put those games beyond reach when you're you're playing well. And Manchester City certainly did that. And I mean, there's not really much else to say on this one other than Manchester City are unbelievable. They're an absolute beast of a team. And uh, I'll be very surprised, despite the fact that Liverpool have that lead at the moment, I'll be very surprised if Manchester City aren't crowned champions again come the end of the season. Uh, let's move on from that one. Newcastle nil, Brighton nil. A boring nil-nil draw. And Sky probably couldn't have picked the worst game, actually, to put us there at 5.30pm. Kick-off Graham Potter taking his uh, side to Steve Bruce's Newcastle. Not much action to discuss. Um Budweiser man of the match was Matt Ryan, Brighton's goalkeeper. And that kindly kind of tells you, doesn't it? All you need to know. Newcastle next go to Leicester and Brighton go to Chelsea uh, next week. So, you know, you expect that they probably won't end up with any points there either. But having said that, you never know what you're going to get with Chelsea these days. So uh, maybe Brighton will go into that one quietly confident. Let's move on to Sunday's games. Crystal Palace won. Wolverhampton Wanderers won. Leander Dendonka, another player in my fantasy team with an own goal. How is your luck? Um, but Wolves went down to uh, 10 men on 73 minutes when Roman Sice was sent off. Diego Jota, though, 
managed to nick an equaliser in the 95th minute. And Roy Hodgson was absolutely fuming about this and understandably so. You know, we're talking about a, a team who led for the most part. You're then opponents go down to 10 men and, you, you know, Palace at home will be looking to pick up those sort of points. Wolves have had a dreadful start to the season. Uh, you could talk about them being in the Europa League and perhaps that's played a part in it, but still they've had a dreadful start to the season and Palace would have expected this one uh, to, you know, end up in three points, particularly the way the game panned out. So to not have that um, and to throw it away, essentially, after some slack defended on the 95th minute is really, really disappointing. And I've had the pleasure of meeting Roy Hodgson and being at a couple of his press conferences and he he's not someone that would take that line down. He'll be absolutely furious with these players. Um, so that was uh, one of the early games. The other early game on Sunday was, of course, West Ham to Manchester United. Neil, Andre Yarmolenko and Aaron Cresswell, as with what Oli Gunnar Solskjaer described as two great left foot finishes, uh, killed Manchester United and condemned them to another defeat. Now, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer is under pressure. People talk about Oli being at the will, where it seems that he's lost control of the will. And Arsenal tra travel there on Monday night. Doesn't mean anything, mind you. Our record at Old Trafford is horrendous. But Oli Gunnar Solskjaer is not the right man for Manchester United. And if I think back to when he was given the job, the day he was given the job, I wrote a piece for the sackrace.com, which is a website that focuses on, on managers and managerial appointments and sackings, etc., and I spoke about the fact that I thought Oli Gunnar Solskjaer will be gone by Christmas. And I stick by that. I think that Oli Gunnar Solskjaer was never the right man to take this Manchester United job. And people keep playing that Rio Ferdinand clip, don't they? Where he keeps saying, give him the paper now, sign it now. Rio Ferdinand and many others have been blinded by the fact that Manchester United under Jose Mourinho was such a miserable place. That when Oli Gunnar Solskjaer came in, there was always going to be an uplift. And in my opinion, it didn't really matter who came in. There would have been that same uplift. Manchester United went on a really, really good run. You started to see the best out of Pogba and various other players who maybe hadn't performed uh, under the previous management. But that's all gone sour again. And it started to go sour towards the end of last season. And it's continued. Manchester United are nowhere near the level they need to be. They've sold some important players, in my opinion, uh, over the summer, not replaced them with experience. They've replaced them with kids who naturally going to need time and going to take, um, you know, uh, some strong coaching to get them up to the level that they need to be. And, and I always say this, consistency is the most difficult thing to get out of a bunch of kids. And Manchester United are having that problem at the moment. Lukaku, whatever you think about him, he, he would have got you 20 goals in the Premier League. So to let him go, in my opinion, and not replace him properly is silly. Rashford ain't going to get you 20 goals. Neither is Anthony Martial. So I just feel like United have let themselves down. And it's partly bad management from Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. So if he was one of the first managers to go this season, I wouldn't be surprised. Hopefully Arsenal can go to Old Trafford next week in the Monday Night Football and inflict more pain on Ole's side. Uh, then it was Arsenal 3, Aston Villa 2. Mad game. Absolutely crazy game, wasn't it? In the end, Ainsley Maitland-Niles sent off uh, after John McGinn gave Villa the lead. Nicola Pepe levelled things on 59 minutes. But just a moment later, Wesley went down the other end and put Villa back in front. Callum Chambers with an equaliser nine minutes from time. And then Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang on the 84th minute dug out a spectacular free kick to um, 
to give Arsenal all three points. If you want to see a full review of that game, uh, go back on this channel. There are part one and part two. I uploaded it as one. And for some reason, YouTube decided to cut it in half. So we had to upload the second part separately. But I'm reviewing the game. And I was joined by former Arsenal midfielder David Hillier, uh, who had some really, really interesting bits and pieces to say on the current situation at Arsenal and, of course, Sunday's game. So please, please do check that out. Uh, it's on this very channel. Um, and then, of course, the big one, or what was deemed as the big one, was Chelsea 1, Liverpool 2. Now, I've done a preview for this on my personal YouTube channel for JW Betting and TV Sports Blog. And guess what? I've got a perfect prediction. So if you want your betting uh, tips, please head over to jwbetting.com and uh, you can uh, pick up some uh, tips there. And uh, I'll be giving my predictions on my weekly previews. So please, please do check that out. Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold opened the scoring with a great goal for Liverpool. It has to be said. Roberto Firmino then doubled that lead. And Golo Kante um, pulled one back for Chelsea with a good strike. And then Chelsea, of course, had that goal ruled out by VAR right at the end. I want to hear what you guys think about VAR. Let me know in the comments. Um, I'm always talking about Arsenal uh, on this channel, and it is an Arsenal channel primarily, but... We haven't really had any major VAR controversies yet, so I haven't really had the chance to get into that in, in a bit more detail. So I want to hear from you guys what you think about VAR, because it is something that is dividing opinion at the moment. Um, I'm someone who's always been for VAR, but can totally acknowledge and accept that it's not quite where it needs to be. And there's still some teething issues and you know, there's a lot of improvement to be made but I'm willing to give it that bit of time. Let me know what you guys think, though, of course, uh, in the comments. Uh, let's go over to some of your live comments. A big hello to everybody watching us live at the minute, whether you're on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, uh, or anywhere else. Um, so big hello to you guys and, of course, to those listening back on the audio later on. Uh, Wasiu says, hello, Harry. Hey, dear, mate. Welcome back to the show. Uh, in regards to the Harry Kane goal, KG Will 2012 says, lol, luck or a good finish given he was falling? I think it's a bit of both, mate. I think it's a bit of both. I think to fall, but, you know, to get it on target is a good effort. But the, the contact he made is so clean. It feels like, you know, just it's Harry Kane. I don't want to give him any credit. Um, it, it's luck. Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, Anonymous ST says, good evening, Harry. Uh, good evening, mate. I assume wherever you're listening to us from, it is the evening. He then goes on to say good afternoon. Um, Zod Sinclair says, Harry. Do you recognise that with the TV money we've gone in three years from having always a top four to a top six and this season right now to a top 10? Yeah, great point. Great point. Um, with, he also says, with the quality of manager and balance, sensible quality and strong teams making up the real possibility of making and changing the top four and top six this year. Um, I guess what you're saying there, mate, is do I think that the, the top four and top six could change this year. Um, honestly, I don't. I think that it will still be the way it is come the end of the season. A lot of people talk about uh, Leicester breaking into it, Everton maybe. Um, some people were even talking about Wolves after the fantastic season they had last year. But I just don't see those teams getting it together uh, enough to challenge for the top four. I think the top four will be as it was. Uh, and when I say as it was, I mean out of that six teams. I think the top six stays the same and the top four is any, well, you've got one and two and then it's any two of the remaining four. That's my opinion uh, at the moment. 
Glenn, hello, Glenn, says VAR is the present and future. If you are against it, you're on the wrong side of history. I think you're right, Glenn. I think it's okay to acknowledge that there's issues with it and that there is some teething problems. But to be completely against it, yeah, I agree with you. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, Anonymous ST says VAR is just a tool for those fools to take the right decision. Hyperfrantic says VAR sucks. So many officials and still riddled with errors. No doubt there are teething problems and no doubt we're going to have more of those problems throughout the course of this season. What I find really strange is why the Premier League have decided to adopt a different approach to VAR than, you know, Serie A, for example, who are now, I believe, going into their third season of it. And it's much more improved. You can see that over the course of time, it has got better. Still not perfect, but it has got better. There is less controversy now than there was when it initially came in. And they're using the screens. Um, There was an example of it in the Milan derby uh, where one of Inter's goals was checked by the referee with a screen to decide whether a player was interfering uh, with a goal. He was standing in offside position, but he wasn't interfering and it was the right call. And yeah, it took a bit of time. There was a little bit of a delay why he went over and checked that. But I'm okay with that if it makes referees more likely to get the right decisions. Um, so again, I come back to that point. I don't understand why the Premier League have felt the need to take a different approach, to not use the the side of the pitch screens, etc. Uh, if anyone has the answer as to why the Premier League thought that would be a good idea, then please, please do let me know in the comments. Right, that brings us to the end of the Premier League review. Just a brief review of the Premier League results, my thoughts on some of the games. And um, I'll be down at the Emirates tonight for Arsenal versus Nottingham Forest in the League Cup. I'll be bringing you some content uh, from the Emirates Stadium tonight, uh, a bit later on. So stay tuned for that. Um, And uh, yeah, we'll be back uh, with some more content. So later on today and tomorrow, we'll be bringing you hashtag AskChrisDavison. Uh, so if you want to get some questions over, please, please do so now using the hashtag, hashtag Ask Chris Davison, because we haven't got long before he's going to sit down and record uh, this week's show. So uh, stay tuned for more and we'll be back very, very soon. Up the Arsenal.